He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Often in the scriptures uh, of, of our daily masses, uh, there, are, there are parallel readings. Uh, that something that happens in the Old Testament and New Testament is very similar. But it's rare that uh, for a season like Advent, it, it, there's a lot of parallelism going on all the time. We've had several stories of visitations of angels and, and announcing that uh, barren women would be uh, birthing a child, and, um, and today we have Mary's response, the Magnificat, and several times now, I think this is at least the fourth time uh, that I recall that the responsorial psalm wasn't the psalm, but it's a section of the scriptures that is put together in a psalm-like response. So it looks like one of the psalms, but it's actually like today from uh, 1 Samuel, I believe. So. There's a lot of parallel stuff going on, but there's something really powerfully parallel today that, um, that uh, is focusing us again so close to Christmas to the event that's going to happen in the Incarnation. Here we have two women, and um, one is barren and old, the other is young, so it's not exactly parallel, it's kind of opposite actually, and yet something is happening to these two women that they didn't expect, uh, one asked for it, Hannah begged God. She said, uh, because Jews felt that if you didn't have a child, especially a son, you were cursed. And you'll notice that in that uh, Samuel, uh, first Samuel response in the Psalm uh, response, um, it talks about the woman having seven sons. So right away you hear that number seven. And that would be that would be the blessing beyond all blessings to actually have seven sons. Not six, but seven. That would be like perfection. So here's Hannah, believing she's been accursed for whatever reason, and she begged God and pleaded with God. In fact, she even went to the temple and stood next to this man who later she is going to give up her son standing right next to him and recalling, I came here and stood near you as I begged God for a child. And now he's given me a son. And Mary also is given a son, but not just a son, the son of God. So in this perfect parallelism, something else happens that is just unique and wonderful in these scriptures. Um, Hannah has a son, and so she becomes extremely blessed, but that's not enough for God. God wants to bless all of his people, so this son is not just a blessing to Hannah and her son. He is going to be the first king of Israel. And not only that, his son David will become the David of the Davidic line from which Jesus will be born. So it looks like a simple story of blessing Hannah, but oh God, he blesses all of Israel and even it pours into our New Testament scriptures, the Christian scriptures, and here we are 2,000 years later being able to go back and say, see, we see where the Davidic line was beginning the grandson, actually, of Hannah, and 
eventually uh, birthing Jesus Christ into our world. And the same with Mary. He, he doesn't just give her a son, but a son to all of us. And so we share in, in Mary's uh, greatness and in her joy. And it'll take us uh, with that son to the cross, but also to the resurrection. So there's something so big going on here, uh, a blessing by God, not just for Mary and for Hannah, but for all generations to come. As we pause just a few days now before Christmas, seeing the blessing of these women, um, I, I, for one, find it, um, I don't understand it. Uh, it, it, it it's, a, it's as if Hannah knows something bigger than her is happening, even though this is just a baby right now. But she promised God, if you give me a son, I will dedicate that son to God. And that meant that she brought her son to the temple and then left him there. I don't get that. Left him there. However, in modern days, isn't that what happens in, the, I guess it's in the uh, Buddhist uh, religion or philosophy that, that somebody as a baby or a teenager is uh, the one that they believe is now the, whatever they call him, the grand poo-poo or whatever the, the, the person is for the Buddhist people. And they leave him at the temple with the other monks. A kid. I don't get it. But the only thing that I can make sense out of it for me is that Hannah begging for a son, I guess just having the son took away her barrenness, and that was enough. But she was able to give that son up to God, hand him over to the temple, and walk away and leave him. Mothers out there, could you do that? Could you do that to an infant child of yours? I don't get it. But it certainly makes this story come alive in a powerful way, in a powerful way as we approach this little baby that we're going to see in the manger scene and all the, the cute and cuddly and, and prettiness of that little manger scene. Something extraordinary is going to happen before us as we celebrate incarnation and we recognize and say, this isn't just a baby born to Mary. God has entered the world in a unique and special way, as we say, Emmanuel, God with us. And for that reason, and in that person, the world was and has never been the same.